getting through current situations, moving with more information, helping others through chances, producing solutions of the challenges, gaining new experiences, building the strength in us, talk between us, talk between us, talking about the experiences and giving advice, gaining the knowledge, learning about opportunities, living the challenges, expressing the love, sharing through conversation and demonstration, building by practicing, talk between us, talk between us. Welcome to the Talk Between Us. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Felicia Thompson, and I have a guest host today, Mr. Brandon Queen. The topic for this week is covering, do you have one? Today we have Mr. Brandon Queen, who is, who is co-hosting with me today, and we're talking about covering, do you have one? We're going to jump right in. The first thing we're going to do is talk about what is a covering. Okay. I suppose you want me to answer that, right? <laughs> you can answer that. I do have uh, the dictionary definition. Which, okay. Which says the act of concealing the existence of something by obstructing the view of it or the okay. act of protecting something by covering it. Right. Okay. So let me tell you my view on it. My view in looking at covering is someone that will protect a person from the enemy, someone who will surround a person to conceal, to protecting okay. or warming. An example I would say would be a mentor or a parent. This person observes to see what this what the need is. And if the person needs to be taught, advised, trained, interceded for, serve according to the person's desire to be and the need. Okay. So that's my view on it. All right. <clears throat> my notes got today, so I'm having to go oh. back and, <laughs> and look up what I pulled out. But yeah. um, if you want to talk about like a a covering, if you will, from a, from a biblical or spiritual standpoint, we, um, the Hebrew actually translates that word into several different things, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but um, it refers to Genesis 8.13. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from all the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. So this idea of covering goes back to the Old Testament. Okay. So okay. When you look at when you look at covering from a biblical standpoint, 
we look at a more like a covenant. Um, th- this is just my view. You, you're looking at a covenant, like God's going to cover you. Um, like when he made the promise to Noah never to flood the earth again, when he made the promise to Abraham and he's going to have Isaac, you know, we're under that covering, if you will. And out of that covering comes order. So then we start looking at spiritual covering. We start looking at uh, covering from a husband or a wife or from a pastor or, you know, some type of spiritual leader. Correct. And that covering, if you will, is more of like, for example, um, I don't know if you ever heard the term accountability partner. Yes. Okay. So that would also be a term or um, an example of a spiritual cover is that somebody that holds you accountable, you know, when you mess up, they, Hey, look, you messed up, you know, repent X, Y, Z, let's work through this. You know, that's my version of a cover. Okay. So then we go to what's not a cover. Obviously, obviously, our sin nature is not covering. Okay. So when we're engulfed in sin or submerged in sin and we do it on a daily basis, which all of us do it on a daily basis, uh, that's not covered to an extent. Let me rephrase that. It's covered if we repent. It's not covered if we don't repent of our sins. Um, So covering, for example, let's say you know, uh, are you married? No. Okay. Let's say, let's say I'm a married man and you had a crush on me or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you started, you know, we started talking or whatever. And I told you I'm having problems with my wife, yada, yada, yada. And then our relationship gets serious or whatnot. And we talk about, I talk about leaving my wife to be with you X, Y, Z. That is not a covering. It's not looked on as a covering from the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible teaches us and tells us that we ought to work on our marriages and try to keep them, you know, Together. going. Okay. Yeah. Because a marriage, in a sense, is a covenant between and God. And once you're married to one, the only way you can break that bond or that covering, if you will, is if one of the spouses pass away. Correct. Sounds like a, the listeners are going to be like, well, what if I don't get along with my, with my spouse? I don't want to be with that person, you know. <laughs> That's today's society, obviously, but yes. that's what the and Bible teaches on, you know, marriage. Marriage, And again, if you are coveting somebody else's wife or lusting after somebody else or whatever, that's not covered. That's not a covering. You know, or you get in the pulpit, you know, and preach and yet you are a lustful man. That's not a covering. You know, you have to repent of your You should repent of your sins Correct. before you even approach the people of God. Correct. So that's my take on that one. So let me let me gear you to another direction as far as right. not being a covering. A couple of things that I think about is when we talk about leadership and those that are in leadership and even in a, I guess in a partnership marriage or even in parenting, um, when we cover someone. Um, Controlling. Should they be controlling? Should they not be controlling? What is controlling actually? Okay, that's abuse. That that is flat out abuse. All right. If a a married woman and a married man are in a relationship together, and mm-hmm. the husband is controlling, 
that is a type of mental and emotional abuse and that should not be tolerated. And here's why. One, when you stand before your church, your congregation, your family and friends, and you Mm -hmm. make a covenant between yourself and God Almighty, you are making a a covenant to become one in Christ. Okay. Right. So there should be no controlling in a relationship. It should be a partnership. Okay. Okay. Think about it like this. Let's, let's take a look at the Trinity. Okay. You have God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. Right. Okay. All three are, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word separate just for, to, to prove my point here. All three are separate beings. Okay. Right. But, but they're one. Right. So when the father does something, the son says, Oh my goodness, father, you are, you're the best. You're the greatest. And the father's like, no son, you're the greatest. And then the Holy spirit hops in and says, no, you're the greatest. You're, and it's, it's this continuous loop of, um, I guess, praises to each other or another, another another analogy is a, a piano. Whenever you play a chord on a piano, there Mm -hmm. is no arguing between the keys. The C key doesn't argue with the G key and the G key doesn't try to overpower the C key. Okay. So it's a partnership. They work together. So when you talk about controlling the man or the husband or the wife should never be controlling of each other. It should be a partnership. You know, if the trust isn't there, then there's an issue with y'all getting married in the first place. Right. Okay. Uh, so when you look at the covering on a marriage, it does state that the man is the head of the family, you know, as laid out in scripture. Right. Yes, that is absolutely true. You know, and the wife is to submit to the husband as the husband is to submit to the wife. Right. Um, and some people so, miss that. Oh, some people? You mean more like a lot of people? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. I'm not married, but I see it a lot, uh, especially in the type of work that I do. And it, it's it's crazy how that one key factor. It's not, oh, I'm over you. You're my wife. You do what I say. You don't question me. No, it's not. It's never that. Right. It's you grow together in faith. You grow together in Christ. You grow together as a family. You grow together as one. Right. Okay. And this statement leads to later on in our conversation too, by the way. So one of the things that I wanted to point out as far as controlling is that controlling looks like making decisions for others, directing others every move, telling others who they can get involved with and who they can't get involved with. And it's driven by fear, ego, and power. Yes. Another one that's um, that's not a covering. I want to talk about demeaning and manipulation. Manipulation and, uh, well, let's look at the church. Let's look at the church and let's look at, what, what denomination are you? A Baptist. Okay, now you're speaking my language. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I am actually Presbyterian, but most of my family's Baptist. I, I, I get the lingo. I hold nine yards. Understood. But let's take, let's take a look at the Baptist church, okay? Yeah. Whenever you have a pastor, that runs the church like it's his church. Okay, notice how I emphasize his. Understood. We do have some of those that do that. Oh yeah, it's his church and and he can't he can't bear to give power to somebody else. He has to be in ultimate control because he's alpha. It's his church. God's called him 
God's covered him. He's the pastor. Do what I say, not as I do. Whole nine yards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll get a pastor that has that mindset and will start to tell people who they can and can't get involved with and what they should do and what they shouldn't do. But there's no love there. There's no real pastoral care there. Right. Okay. Now, in the Presbyterian realm, and I happen to be part of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, okay. we have a, a governing system set up where we have a teaching elder and a ruling elder. And the teaching elder, obviously, is your pastor. He does all the preaching and the pastoral care and all the fun stuff. The ruling elders take care of the business side of, you know, of things. Okay. So in the Baptist church, and I'm, I'm saying this very broadly, very loosely, because it doesn't happen in all Baptist churches, just a few that I know of and I've seen personally. When it comes to managing the budget, it's what the pastor says, and then everybody else makes it happen. Mm. Even, even though it could bankrupt the church, if you will. Okay. You know, the, right. pastor, the pastor wants to build a new building. Well, we don't have the funds, so let's do a capital fund. Well, we just did a capital fund last year on another project. Now we're doing another one. The people that are in leadership alongside the pastor are not really in leadership. They're just puppets, if you will. Gotcha. I have seen uh, some where they actually have boards in place where the pastor has to talk to the board to actually make those decisions or they make the decisions together as opposed to just one person making the decision. So some churches do that. Some churches have a board where they work together, where they have trustees who do some things and the pastor takes care of more of the spiritual part as opposed to both the spiritual and the business side. Absolutely. And that's, that's exactly how my church on a local level, Mm -hmm. um, on a, on a, regional level and on a national level that is exactly how we operate you know we have the ruling and teaching elder uh and the ruling elders we're called you can call it a board if you will Mm -hmm. but we're called a session we're a group of people that come alongside the pastor and and look we're equal the pastor is equal to the ruling elder and the ruling elder is equal to the teaching elder Mm -hmm. the only difference is the teaching elder is ordained called by god can do all the sacraments all that fun stuff the ruling elder is called you know, by God, yes, because they have to be called by God, and mm-hmm. they call by the church to fulfill those roles in the church. Gotcha. Um, and, and that's just a watered-down version. But no pastor in a Presbyterian church can overpower the congregation, if you will. Right. Because, you know, ultimately, they're supposed to make the decision along with what, um, with both the pastor and the trustees and whoever else is working in the church. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember dealing with this one uh, Baptist church. It's a great church. Um, I have nothing against Baptists. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I do because I really don't. Great Baptist church. Pretty solid pastor. He's got people involved, you know, to help lead the church and everything, but they right. kind of hijack the church. Mm. You know, and I see a lot of that and it's like, okay, who's running the show here? Right. Is, it the con- is it the congregation? Is it the, is it the the is it the board or is it the pastor? You know, and I and I kind of had a meeting with this with the leadership of the church, and I told him, you know, God needs to be running this church. You right. need to run this church like Jesus instructed Peter to run the church, and how Paul ran the church in the in the first century. That's how you run the church. It's not who's got more power, you know, or who's got more stroke to say 
jump and the person gets scared and, and jumps, you know. It's right. not supposed to be a bullying contest. And that's, that, right. that's that yeah, that's the syndrome that's I call it. So now right, what we want to do is talk about what the role or responsibility of the covering is. We'll start with the spiritual side. We'll look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was sent by the Father to comfort, you know, and to carry out God's blessings and to also, you know, help us with our prayer life. Okay, mm-hmm. on, on my podcast, I'm doing a season on prayer, and we talk about that in a couple episodes where the Holy Spirit, you know, basically intercedes for us when it comes to prayer. Okay. So covering from the Holy Spirit is, is if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. you have repented of your sins and continue to repent of your sins, mm-hmm. you know, you're covered by the blood of Jesus. Okay. Okay. When you look at it from a, a human spiritual side, from your pastor, um, his authority obviously comes from God. Okay. Right. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. Absolutely. So if his calling comes from God, then he is to lead or cover, if you will, in in such a way that God and his grace is evident. You can see it. It's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can taste it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, for example, Billy Graham, even though he was an evangelist and didn't have a church, his his pastoral preaching style was like that. You got a lot okay. of pastors that are like that, you know, that are, are actually pastors. Like they care about their sheep. You know, they care about the flock that God has blessed them with. And they, they go above and beyond. Like my pastor, for example, mm-hmm. you know, he's all about the body and not about Bill. And that's what I love about him. He's all about the church, not about Bill. Okay. Um, he Several times he's done things that, I, I questioned him, like, why would you do that? Like, you know, you're going to hurt yourself in, this, in a sense. But his response is always this. I have to do the work of the Lord. Right. You know, so when you get a pastor that is all about, I'm, I'm going to use the phrase, saving souls, if you will, or helping people understand the, the gospel, that kind of covering is what you need, what we want. You know, so right. if, you're going, if you're going through something financially, marital, or, or just anything in general, the pastor's covering is to be, uh, I don't want to say counselor, because in a sense they are counselors, but they're to help you push through those hard times mm-hmm. by giving you spiritual advice and praying with you and praying for you and, and getting you the help you need to rebuild your marriage, fix your finances, you know, stuff like that. So that right. covering obviously is, that, that's the pastoral covering. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, a husband and a wife, the husband, and, and this one is going to be, again, I'm not married. So if I am wrong, I expect your audience to correct me. <laughs> um, right. But when I look at marriage, the husband, if you want to say covering, if you will, the husband is the, is the head of the house. For example, right. let's say you and I are married and mm-hmm. We have a 14-year-old kid that doesn't want to go to church. And it's been the rule in our house from their birth that we always go to church as much as we can unless there's something going on that will keep us from church. But our rule is, as for us in our house, we will serve the Lord. But this 14-year-old kid doesn't want to go to church. As a father, do I give in to him or do I make him go to church? As As a wife... Uh, and as a mother, do you back up the husband or do you take side with the son? You, you see how that goes? Yes. And and 
I would, in response to that, I would say that one that both the husband and wife have to be on the same page. Right, and equally if, yoked. If, if the rule or the census or how you govern your house is we will go to church regardless of the, the child's feelings, then it's we go to church and right. you just deal with it. Um, the only reason why we would not go to church is if the child is actually sick. Correct. Or if he was in sports and had a game on a Sunday, which I would highly recommend that never happens. Right. Then, you know, something like that, you know, or for example, for me, I can't go to church every Sunday because of my job, the way it's laid out. Right. I work every other weekend. So that kind of warrants an excuse for me not to go to church every Sunday. But even if, uh, you know, if I was married and that situation came up, still wife and kids go to church. Right. Dad'll, dad'll catch the the sermon online when the pastor posted, you know. <laughs> Either so, online or you get a CD. Oh, correct, correct. We don't do CDs. We strictly online. <laughs> Understood. So let me point out some key things as far as roles and responsibilities for covering. Okay. Um, one would be interceding for, it could be your wife or your husband. It could be a child. It could be a church member. It could be a family member, but interceding for, for someone else. Uh, protection, which could be shielding from danger or injury. And protection could be telling someone something to prevent them from going, prevent them from experiencing something that's dangerous or preventing them from hurting themselves. Okay. Training, uh, teaching or supervising someone, training or being a trainer or a coach or helping develop one's behavior by instruction and practice. Serve, to work for or be a servant to, performing duties or services for another person or an organization. And guide, uh, a person who advises or shows another person the way to go. That's a loaded statement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's break it down. Let's start with the first part. You, you talked about, uh, can you repeat the first section? Inter interceding for someone. Okay, so interceding. When we pray, and, and, and I can speak boldly on this because, like I said, I'm doing a whole episode on prayer. Mm -hmm. Whenever we pray, we are technically interceding for someone by praying for them. Right. Okay. So, you know, that, that son that's on drugs and, you know, mom goes to her knees every day groaning and hurting and praying for that child. Mm -hmm. And then here comes little old Miss Betty, her friend who joins her in prayer at her own house, if you will. Mm -hmm. And also with pains of groaning, join her in prayer. Then Miss Betty is interceding on behalf of Miss Geraldine, if you will, on behalf of Miss Geraldine's son. Right. Okay, so we all intercede. Uh, you know, we are living beings, so we right. we have the ability to intercede and pray for other people. Um, but just keep in mind, we don't have the power to change the situation. Change the situation, correct? Thank you. Okay, uh, okay. and then the next part. Can you repeat protection. the next section? Protection. All right. When you say protection, do you mean like a parent 
protecting a child from burning his hand or like it could be a parent protecting from burning the hand it could be a parent giving advice in order for a child not to go down the same road and come up with the same results of hurting themselves or hurting somebody else protection okay so i'm gonna call you mom for a second all right okay so mom you give me all kind of advice you know on relationships uh not to do drugs xyz Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that I am my own person. Right. So even though you have trained me and taught me in the ways of the Lord and brought me up in church, I still have the free will or right. the free choice, if you will, to make my own decisions. So let's say I go off and for 10 years straight, I am on drugs. Mm-hmm. But you, Miss Geraldine, the little Miss Betty, pray for me with my mom, you, for all those years. Mm-hmm. And you pray that God would hear your prayer and bring me back to him. Right. So at one point in my life, I realized, okay, this life I'm living is getting me in trouble. It's gonna, I'm going to end up dead. I'm, I'm not going to make it. I need to figure out, Lord, come back into my life. Mm-hmm. And then when, whenever that, that sinner, that person that's fallen away from uh, the church, calls out to God and says, please forgive me of my sins. Come back into my life. I need you. Then that protection, that prayer that you've been praying all those years, that advice you've been given all those years, that protection then becomes applied to the son. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, so it may not have, like you can, you can teach, you can preach to your kids. You can, you can give them advice as much as you want, but as a parent and I'm not, but I am an uncle. (laughs) That's I am enough. a parent. <laughs> but you get to see the fruits of your labor if you persevere with it. Right. Okay? But every child won't, you know, follow the teachings of their parents. They may find a group of people that and go the opposite way than what you taught them. But, you know, if you intercede for them, yeah. if you pray on their behalf and you keep, and you keep that prayer going and yeah. you go seek other people to pray with you. Yeah. Again, God's will is God's will. We can't change the mind of God through our prayer, but we can definitely get closer, a close relationship with the Father by our prayer. Yeah. You know? So the, God. The other, the other thing is to continually talk to the child. Yes, um, you continue have, to yeah. talk to him in love. Continue to, as they continue to come to you, continue to uplift them. Continue to encourage them. Continue to not beat them down. But at least let them know that they have, there is another way, there is another option. And you can change things, you can do things different and continue to pray as as well. Yeah, that's why I think it's important that single parents, double parents, whatever, I think it's important that we raise the child up in the church. And, and, And this is what I love. Okay, so you're Baptist, so you probably don't agree with infant baptism, okay? But the one thing I love about Presbyterians and Lutherans, if you will, mm-hmm. is that when we baptize an infant, we're not just baptizing an infant just to baptize an infant. We as a church are coming under a covenant with God and the parents of that baby to help them raise that child. Okay, so let me ask you a question. When you say baptize the infant, are we talking about sprinkling? Are we talking about actually dipping them in the water? 
I mean, dipping the baby in the water as a baby, that'd be kind of <laughs> well, so sprinkling. <laughs> okay, okay. Sprinkling. I was going to say, that's not, not, not exactly because some people try to teach their children that babies to kind of get comfortable with the water, start teaching them how to swim. So, I mean, yeah. you, you, you can baptize the child. <laughs> you can't dip them under the water, but I would right. suggest not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's child abuse. But, but yeah. <laughs> So the congregation or the church, if you will, comes into a covenant with the parents under the, the covering of God, you know, uh -huh. under his covenant to raise that child together. Right. Okay. So it's not just the burden of the parents. It's now the burden of the church. Got you. Baptists okay. do something different in the respect that we actually bring the children to be Christian. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's same covenant different methods that's right <laughs> that's actually right yeah <clears throat> sorry you, my voice is part not to explain it that way <laughs> <laughs> I, look a lot of people have a hard time grappling with infant baptism i'm not gonna lie to you for the longest time i did but again we go back to that spiritual covering by your pastor right he diligently showed me scripture that supports infant baptism okay okay so and don't ask me because I don't. I, I had it written down, but they uh, got wet. Got you. <laughs> so you can always yeah. send it in. Yes, yes. But yeah, so I mean that that's why we we do infant baptism. It's not gotcha. that's one of the reasons for sure. It's not we don't do it just to make it a ceremony just and say, "Oh, you're baptized." Yeah. Right. It's a it's a covenantal thing. It's it's beautiful, if you will. You know, when you, you know, look at it child, from a different perspective, that is correct. Right, like when his when his kids were were baptized, you know, I'm 30. His oldest son is 17. My niece is 17. Okay. So his oldest son became my son. Got you. You know, or older brother, whatever he wants to call me, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm helping or assisting in raising that child and making sure that he's following the path. You know, right. following the godly path and not going off and being a wild thing or something like that. Right. So that's the whole idea of the church the body getting involved with the infant baptism or with okay. the child's baptism so okay that kind of reminds me of having godparents because the godparents are supposed to help in facilitating raising the child as they say it takes a village to raise children exactly so that that's kind of it makes me think about godparents and what the representation of a godparent is. And well, since you said it like that, then the Presbyterians, they got a lot of parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, but that's, that's the beauty of it. You know, it's yeah. not just one person. That burden is not put on one person during a christening, if you will. Right. To be in assistance to the parents whenever that child, you know. Right, so. right. So let's move, to, and this will probably go quick. Let's move into who can cover you and the types of covering. Huh. I am still pondering that one. Ha. Oh. So let me let me start this off and, and, and maybe this will help you come in. All right. Um when I thought about this type, this section, what I thought about, I know depending on what religion you follow they talk denomination. about denomination thank you you follow they talk about spiritual covering 
and they talk about spiritual covings from the aspect of a person actually being the spiritual covering as opposed to God the Father being the spiritual covering. Um, okay. Go ahead. Okay, so I look at it like this, and, and again, I may not. This may not be the best answer, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Okay. Ultimately, God is the covering. Okay, right. we know that. That's been established. Right. But God puts people in our lives to assist if you I don't want to say the word assist because God doesn't need this but God God puts people in your life in our lives to help us through journeys okay, okay. so those people could act as a covering due to God being glorified through that gotcha. okay so what I mean by God being glorified um everything that we do is to the glory of God right okay even if we mess up is to the glory of God. You know, God will find good in that mess up. You know, right. we've seen it throughout the Bible. But when I step into it, uh, like I'm a cop, okay? So if I come in contact with a teen who's troubled and, you know, gets in trouble a lot, doesn't listen to his parents, mm-hmm. what have you, you know, for a season, God may put me in that child's life. You know, I'll go hang out with him for 15 minutes, you know, every day that I'm working, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of help guide him through in a sense, you can consider me as covering, but I'm not. How, how do I put it? See that—that's where it gets muddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would say that in that instance, you probably would be a a parental covering, and okay. or in in the aspects that it comes to like a godparent. A, okay. a community that helps build the child, that helps train the child, that helps encourage the child, advise the child. And that goes back to some of the roles, which is train and intercede, protect, right. serve, yeah, guide. That, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Still muddy, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm like, where is this woman going with this? <laughs> So the next one is a parental parental covering. Okay, yeah. So we, we talked about that earlier. You know, right. all things come from Christ. All things right. come from God. So our kids are a gift from God. Yeah. Okay, so our purpose once we have that kid is to be their protection, their covering, if you will. Yeah. So we are to raise a child up in the way they ought to be raised and they would never depart from it. That's from right. the scripture. Right. Okay. So... The parental covering comes with, I'll make up a story here, for example, and hopefully this can help us understand. So we got parent A, who is this model parent, two-parent home, dad has a great job, loves his kids, supports his family, mm-hmm. uh, makes sure his wife has everything she needs, he takes care of her, you know, all that. You got parent B, single mom, you know, she works, busts her butt, uh, takes care of her child, anything he needs that child gets. And then you have parent C. Parent C is on drugs, don't really care about their child. The child does whatever he wants. Uh, The child partakes in drugs every now and again. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you have a solid family that follows Christ, family A, Mm -hmm. with a two-parent home. And then parent B follows Christ, but single parent. Okay. Those two are more covered or more parental covering, Mm -hmm. obviously, than parent C. 
Okay. Right. And I say I say that because both family A and family B are raising their kids up in the church. Right. They are getting, you know, what it's like to follow Christ. They're getting uh, what it's like to be a model Christian or a model citizen, if you will. And they're getting, hey, make sure you say you pray, make sure you pray every day. Let's go to church. Let's not miss a service. You know, let's uh, let's go to this church function. Let's try to meet new church people mm-hmm. um, there. They are in, engaging in Christian activity, if you will, and fellowship. Therefore, they're getting parental. They, they are parental uh, covering, but then they're getting their church to help in as well with that. Right. Covering. So that's the beauty of it. It, it. Everything, everything intertwines with each other with the exception of parent C, because obviously parent C is not of Christ, you know, doing drugs, whatever. But keep in mind, family A, family B are also full of sin. Right. But but they know how to repent. Now, what if the parents, if the parents on drugs, still believes in God, but can't kick the habit, and they may still pray for the child, but they're not very interactive in the sense of rearing the child, being a good example for the child. And maybe the parent is looking or trying to find someone to come into the child's life where that parent can't fulfill because of the drug. Is that a possibility? Yes. Um, Again, God doesn't let the birds of the air go without. So that that child will be taken care of. So for example, family members may step in and become that parental covering that that guidance okay Okay. but keep in mind we talked about this earlier if that parent is on drugs and and believes in god and can't kick the habit and it's a bad addiction you know i'm not going to say that it's a sin that is overlooked because it's not all sin cannot be overlooked because god is holy um but it's a sin it's they're they're covered with this addiction okay Mm -hmm. so the the family members come together and begin to intercede on behalf of that parent that is dealing with this drug addiction. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you know, if the family is Christians and they, you know, they pray all the time and they intercede on behalf of that parent, then obviously that child will be taken care of, will be brought up like he or she is supposed to. And, and at the same time, that parent is being prayed for because they love their family member. They just don't want to see them go off the you know deep end and die of an overdose or something. Right. Okay, um, but like I had to tell one, excuse me, that just dealt with a death, um, and it was the hardest thing to tell them that you know nothing happens outside of the will of God. Right. Okay. So if we can get if we can wrap our heads around that that nothing happens outside the will of God, and God's sovereignty triumphs over all adversities, then we'll understand why bad things, why if you will, God allows quote unquote bad things to happen. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you have this idea of how can God allow this bad thing to happen if he's God? You know, he can't be God if all this bad stuff's happening. Well, we can't forget that nothing happens outside of his will. All good things come from out of bad things. You know, my mom was on drugs. Am I on drugs? No. No. But you made a decision. I made a decision by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I I am a cop trying to help troubled teens and people that are on drugs just like my mom was okay. um, you know so god is using me in that role you know for his glory to bring people up and try to bring people back to him back to the fold right so so the next one is spousal covering and we talked a little about a little bit about that earlier 
where right. um, the husband is ahead. He's not the controller. He's not the I'm the all be all. And right. he's supposed to cover the wife, which is pray for the wife, protect the wife, serve if guidance need to be guiding. If there's some training, training, but also the wife is supposed to be covering the husband as well, praying for the husband, protecting the husband if there's, and protect in a different aspect other than physical or beating up somebody. But if- well, when you when you say protection, you you can. This is going to sound strange. You can stop saying protection, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> And just revert to prayer because prayer is a type of protection. Okay. Interceding, praying, praying for one another. Correct. So we can combine protection and interceding together. Yeah. And there should be a mutual respect for one another. They should be working together. They should be praying together. They should be growing together. They can have different interests and supporting each other in their interests. So when I think about a spouse, spousal covering that's what i think about i would agree with that yeah i would definitely agree with that i don't think i have anything to add to that to be honest with you because that's that's exactly how a marriage is supposed to look you know we so if, if we're in a relationship our relationship doesn't end once we get married right you know our exactly so yeah absolutely pray for one another pass ideas by one another finances you know right. work at some men can handle finances better than women right so that's a teaching opportunity for the husband to teach the wife yeah how to how to manage finances now right. we all know women like shoes so they always go and get a shoe not but anyway <laughs> we do have a few that are not shoe hogs <laughs> I, I had to throw that in there <laughs> I, look i got i got six sisters and and i don't know i don't know if they like shoes so you, you have this this system of checks and balance if you will like for example if i'm married and I, let's say i got season tickets to the saints game mm-hmm. okay and i'm supposed to go to my son's basketball game but i want to go to the saints game because i paid for these season tickets then it's the job of the wife to say are you really gonna let your son down today okay that's like immediate rebuke on the dad for wanting to go and do his own thing instead of spending time as a family. Yes. Okay. Now when, when women do that to men, they get upset. Men get upset because they don't want the wife telling them what they can and can't do. If I was married and my wife did that, I'd be like, huh, thanks babe. You know, cause I, I mean, obviously I'm not thinking in my right mind. I'm being selfish, you know? So I would want the wife to tell me, you got a game tonight with your son, you know, or are you supposed to be doing this? You know? Yeah. Right. So it's a checks and balance. It's not supposed to be no Felicia, do what I say. Don't question me. You question me on my back. Hey, no, it's not supposed to be that. It's not right. supposed to be, I understand you work, but that's my money too. And I'm going to spend it like I want. No, it's not supposed to be that. It's supposed to be checks and balance. It's supposed to be a system of which the two of you operate as a unit, as one, so when your children watch how you interact with each other, when they seek dating somebody or marriage, they're going to look for somebody like you right. or me, you know, so that the, the spousal covering, that has to be the foundation correction. Let me correct myself. That has to be the secondary thing or the, the, the second subflooring to the foundation of a relationship because Christ is obviously the right. foundation of a relationship. Right. And then the second thing is having that respect for each other. And having that checks and balance from in place. And then you start right. building your relationship from there. So this last and final is leadership covering. And okay. we kind of talked about it. Talked about pastors. Talked about 
Well, let's talk about uh, the leadership covering. And okay, we, we're gonna go we will we'll, we'll go back to the church. Okay. Okay. So when you look at the church again, the Baptist Church utilize pastor and de- in the Presbyterian realm, we use teaching elder, ruling elder, and the deacons are like a sub, you know, helper group or whatever you want to call. It. Not to degrade them or right. anything. They're they're our caregivers, if you will. Right. So when you talk about leadership covering, when you look at the church, the leadership of the church should reflect, and this is just my personal opinion, so please don't kill me for saying it, but the leadership of the church should reflect unity. They should. And when the church leadership reflects unity, then you see love. Right. And then you start to see hostility within the church go away. Correct. With that being said, the leadership of the church should also reflect what the Bible says about church governance. Mm -hmm. That's important. We We base everything off of the Bible and off of what Jesus taught and off of what the apostles taught. Mm-hmm. If everything is unified as one, then that leadership of the church actually looks like the bride of Christ. Right. Because once the church that that congregation looks like the bride of Christ and they're doing something right. When you have a leader that wants all the power and this doesn't have to be a pastor, this could be a deacon or, you know, or somebody else. Right. When that person wants all the power, then you start to see mud being slung and, and uh, cement being thrown and cement blocks being thrown at people and stuff. like. You start to get the, the breakdown within the church. So when that happens, I think, I think every church leadership group need to be in constant prayer about who will be a leader and what their quality qualifications are now we shouldn't look at well we should look at qualifications let me say that so for example if you know you're married Mm -hmm. and the the board approached her husband to be a deacon not only should they be praying about him being an effective deacon they should look at his qualifications now i'm not talking about his resume i'm not talking about the jobs he's worked and this that and the other right is this is his house in order okay Mm-hmm. Does he have a great relationship with his wife or his kids? You know, do they adhere to uh, correction? Does he adhere to correction? Can he handle uh, if somebody disagree with him? So just certain stuff like that, that, you know, when you're in prayer looking for that stuff, right. that's shown, that's brought to light when you're in prayer about it. Okay, you don't just want to put anybody in leadership just because right. they say they want to be on the board. That's correct. Because totally that's the correct. downfall of, of churches, you know. Totally that's correct. When you, that's when you get the people that don't go to church and say, oh, I see a bunch of hypocrites in the church. I can't disagree with them because they're right. And that's one of the reasonings right there is because the leadership of the church is not unified. But again, disclaimer, that was my personal opinion. So as we move on, we're getting ready to switch over to the last part of our talk our podcast and this is words of meditation and encouragement tips to consider i'm going to give you two four three sections one for the parents we should train our children in the way that they should go and also be the example as a parent the role is important and necessary the parent is the first influencer correct and meditate on proverbs 22 and we train okay. our children in the way that they should go and also be the example. As a parent, okay, the role is important and necessary. They are the first influencers, the parents are. To, to build off of what you said about the parents being the first influencers, parents must, I don't care if they are weary in their faith, if they build a house on solid ground, if they build their house on Christ and on Christ alone, they must keep that momentum. Listen, there will be times when your relationship, when your marriage might be rocky, okay? Okay. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times when the kids don't listen. All right. Right. But the one thing that 
the spouse, the husband and wife should have in common is that they bring everything to God in prayer. Yeah. Okay. So when they're weary and they don't want to go to church, they should go to church anyway. Because right. if you you said it best, parents are the first influencers. Right. The minute dad wakes up and says, I don't feel like going to church this morning, I'm going to go ahead and watch the game. Well, guess what? You just introduced, that. right. You just introduced to your son or your daughter that it's okay to be lazy, that it's okay not to worship God the Father. He only asked us to, you know, for one specific day to come together and worship him, which we should worship him 24 seven. Right. Okay. You know, but when it's the Lord's day, you give to the Lord, what is the Lord? Just like we give to the government, what's the government, right. you know? So the minute we introduce any type of laziness into the, fa- into the picture, the child sees that and then will adapt to that and start expecting that often. So we have to be diligent as parents. That's, that's number one. Right. We got to be diligent. We have to be diligent in prayer and discipline. Okay. And then after that, we have to be consistent. All right. Mm-hmm. We have to constantly want to go to church, want to pray, pray as a family, as a matter of fact. You know, one of one of my dreams is when I do have kids, um, and I do inspire to be a pastor one day, but when I do have kids, I plan to take my kids home, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, sitting around the dinner table and ask them what we talked about in church. Okay. So you know, just to keep... soaked in. Exactly. Stuff like that needs to be considered. Okay. okay. So next. Uh, <laughs> husband and wife. Uh, Ephesians 5, oh. 22 through 33. Even though the husband is the head of the family we as a family should cover each other it's important to cover each other and not just one being covered right that's how a marriage will fall apart. now mm-hmm. and i say that loosely because you got for example if the if the husband quits praying for his spouse but if you got a strong real woman that does not want her marriage to go to hell in the handbasket she's going to stick around and she's going to keep fighting for her husband and i do not call that kind of woman weak right. okay i will never call that kind of woman weak if the husband's not physically abusive you know he's doing his own thing but he's never physically touched her I, you know and if she sticks around and prays for her husband mm-hmm. and prays that god will solve his heart then that's a wife worth keeping in my book yeah excuse me my voice is really <laughs> coming in and out number three ready right. for number three yes leaders in the church i have galatians 6 and 9 and proverbs 16 and 10 we are called me, before you read that give me a second and i'll read it for you okay okay so galatians chapter 6 verse 9 states this and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we, if we do not give up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you, I'll let you finish and then I'll get back to what I, what I have to say. We as co-laborers in the faith, we should be teaching, praying, serving, protecting, and guiding each other. We train babes in Christ, new believers, in the way they should go and as leaders be the example. It is important who you are following, who you are following is following Christ and who you co-labor with is following Christ. Okay. So I like Galatians 6, 9 because it talks about growing weary mm-hmm. and it literally points to perseverance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about the spousal covering or the spousal relationship this is where i think it's important that people just not go and jump in bed with one another until they figure out if they're equally yoked right okay because when you when you are equally yoked and and that that comment was probably harsh and i'm apologizing in advance but in my humble opinion it's true when you build your relationship from day one on christ and you don't interact with the sinful things that come with the relationship and you just keep pursuing and you keep persevering and you keep pushing then you won't grow weary Mm -hmm. so it's this it's this idea of 
two people that love each other, mm-hmm. that come together, and they either are courting each other, dating each other, whatever you want to call it, and then they become married, but they built the foundation on Christ, but they persevere together, okay? Uh-huh. They're equally yoked. They don't grow weary. They keep pushing forward together. All right. So when we train babes in Christ, new believers, in the way that they should go, and leaders right. should be the example. Right. And, and my advice, and, and this is coming straight from the Bible, first to first corinthians five seventeen, where it says if anyone is in christ he is a new creature the old has passed away but behold the new has come so mm-hmm. as we continue on in our journey in life just remember that that if you refresh you know your heart and refresh your faith and and you know you make it known that you are a follower of the lord jesus christ remember that the old you has passed away so if you are having marital problems and you were wrong in your marital problems and you're the one that caused it, repent of your sins, go back to your spouse. But that old you has passed away. You know, we're new in Christ. And, mm-hmm. and that goes for the pastor. That goes for the, the parent, the parents. That goes for the, the, uh, the spiritual leaders, if you will. That goes for the leaders of the church. You know, we need to forget about that old self. We have to wake up every day and die to self. And right. by doing so, we drop off the old us because every day we are renewed in Christ. Right. You know, so that that's my words of encouragement for anyone listening to this podcast. You know, don't think that by us having this conversation, you know, about covering that we are just talking about some magical or mysterical, you know, mystery here. We're talking about Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives if we allow that to happen. And that's all I have, folks. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for co-hosting with me. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was fun, exciting, informative, and a learning experience. Same here. Same here. What's that verse in the Bible where it says, iron sharpens iron? Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, and and that's what this life is is about. You know, we, we have to constantly sharpen each other we have to you know if we're in the faith I, and i can't stand when people do this um you know we have these different denominations and that happened for a reason but we have these different denominations but if we are all christians and we're professing christians right you know, it doesn't matter if you're baptist southern baptist or reformed baptist it doesn't matter if you're reformed presbyterian you know if you believe in the core values of christianity we will be one body you know, right. th- that verse in Revelation 7, 9, where it says, you know, and I looked and I saw a multitude and he saw like ba- John saw people from every tongue, nation and tribe. That mm-hmm. is how heaven is going to look. So one one other piece of advice that I can give to the church, and I'm not just talking about Baptists or Presbyterians, I'm talking about the entire church. We need to start looking like Revelation 7, 9. And I want you guys to go read Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Go read that verse. We as a church, as a body, as the bride of Christ, we have to start looking like Revelation 7, 9, just like it's going to look in in heaven. It needs to look like that on earth. So why not start now? Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. I look forward to doing this again. in the episode, I mentioned 
that Baptists christening the babies in the church. I have to correct that statement. Baptists dedicate the babies of the church. Many times we interchange the two words. Actually, we should not interchange those words. Christening is actually baptism of the baby. The meaning behind the two ceremonies is similar in meaning the way our co-hosts describe what it means to him in respect to the church, helping with training and rearing up the children and also the parents dedicating themselves to raising the children in the faith. Thank you for joining us as we talked about covering Do You Have One? We hope something was said that encouraged, enlightened, uplifted, and empowered you. Share either your disagreement or an additional thought on the points either by voicemail and anchor or by leaving a message on social media. Give us feedback, suggestions on future topics, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. This is an open discussion. Talk between us. Thank you for joining us as we talked about covering Do You Have One? We hope something was said that encouraged, enlightened, uplifted, and empowered you. Share either your disagreement or an additional thought on the points either by voicemail and anchor or by leaving a message on social media. Give us feedback, suggestions on future topics, and share with your friends, family, and coworkers. This is an open discussion. Talk between us.